Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. We are back with you today and greetings in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. I'm so happy to be going back into the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. I encourage you to go back and read the background or listen to the background, the first chapter and the second chapter. What is so important is the flow of thought and everything flowing within a context. And by doing it this way, by studying it in this way, is developing your hermeneutics. Now, we looked at three podcasts that was dealing with hermeneutics, and remember, Everything is about original intent. So we want to see what God is saying through Paul to the Galatians. And once we understand that, then we understand what it means for us today. I'm not looking back into Galatians through the eyes of John Calvin or through Martin Luther or through some other systematic theology, not through Roman Catholicism. I'm not looking back through Pentecostalism. I want to look back from its historical background of what God is saying through Paul to these young Gentile believers, and we want to develop the flow of thought. As we do that, then we start forming our conclusions, and our theology and our systematic theology is always being challenged by the Word of God. So that is what we're trying to do here. Let's look at chapter 3. We're going to read the first nine verses here and read along with us or listen to this. And Yoni is going to be reading these verses from the New American Standard Version. This is the version that we recommended that you study the Word of God in within the English language. So we're going to read today and listen to what God is saying. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? And let's stop there. I want to stop in verse 5. He's reminding them from the very beginning as they preached, and they preached Jesus Christ to them, the message of Christ and Him crucified. And in that crucifixion, if you go back to the introduction, there is the forgiveness of sins and there's the deliverance from this world that takes place. How are we set apart? How are we changed? We are changed from the inside out through the work of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, he's reminding them, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? As they preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the forgiveness of sins, He's risen from the dead, He's alive, He's our salvation. They believed and they were filled with God's Spirit. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected or completed by the flesh? He wants to know, did you take circumcision of the flesh and did that complete you? 
No, it did not. You stand complete in the Messiah. You received the Holy Spirit the day that you believed. You are saved by the grace of God through faith, and you receive the Spirit of God by faith, not by the works of the law. He's reminding them of these scriptural truths, both in the Old Covenant and in this New Covenant as well. So I want to just stop and comment on those first five verses, and now let's read on. Let's read verses 6 through 9. Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Now think about this, and this is a scriptural truth, that the covenant with Abraham was established by God's grace. God chose Abraham, and it came into being, this covenant relationship, based upon faith. This faith is what brought Abraham into a covenant relationship with God. This comes before the children of Israel are even given the law at Mount Sinai. So therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The son of Abraham was Isaac. The son of Isaac was Esau and Jacob. Here we see that these were men of faith, but Esau was an individual that didn't regard the blessing or the inheritance of Jacob as something that had worth. So Jacob, with all of his deception and all of his weaknesses, the inheritance had value to him, and he was a man of faith. And the covenant continued through him because of his faith. It has always been about a faith and a covenant. It has always been about the grace of God through faith that establishes a covenant relationship with us. It has never been about the law. This is something that Paul is reminding them. And he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell on you? Who has changed the gospel to you? It was portrayed to you fully and accurately, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's how you receive the Holy Spirit. And the children of Abraham are the children of faith. Now, when I was young, we used to sing a song Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Now, this may not make sense in many parts of the world, but this is a very popular song. I am one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. It's a very strong theological song that children sing that I am a child of Abraham because I have come into a covenant relationship with God, the God of Abraham, through faith. The promise was passed down to Isaac. The promise of Isaac was passed down to Jacob. They were individuals of faith. And then the nation of Israel sprung forth out of this covenant relationship that was based upon faith. 430 years later, after the last confirmation of this promise to Israel, to Jacob, before they go into the land, 430 years later is the law given to Moses. They were already the people of God. The law was given to the people of God. The law did not make them the people of God. The covenant was established by the grace of God through faith. 
and it flowed with the promise of God. It's always been about a faith, a promise, and a covenant. This is something Paul understood quite well from his learning and understanding of Scripture. Now let's continue. Verses 10 through 14. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When you look at this, it really sends us forward in time to the book of Romans. And again, all of these principles you're going to see in the letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Rome is that if you're going to keep the law, you must keep all the law. And if you break one aspect of the law, you're a transgressor against the whole law. When we look at the law, you had the blessings and the curses. And they had the Israelites stand at Mount Gerizim, the blessings, and Mount Aval, the curses. And if they did not keep the law, then the curse of the law would be upon them. And if you look back on the whole history of Israel, not at any time for any sustained period from the heart did Israel keep the law to this day. In fact, today they have replaced the Mosaic law, the written law, with what is called the oral law, the Talmudic law. Now, some people will get upset when I say that, but they actually teach the rabbis, no one can keep the written law, but if you keep the oral law, which is actually an addition and a subtraction to the law, then you are fulfilling the law. Before the Israelites went into the land, God told Moses, they will not keep the law, and I will scatter them among the nations. That's the curse of the law that comes. You see, the sacrificial system, the sacrificial system was for the whole nation to be a perpetual atonement or a continual atonement over the whole nation until the day of redemption would come once and for all through the Lamb of God, the suffering servant. So the law is holy. The law is good. But if you don't keep the law, then the curses of the law come upon you. And who can keep the law totally and completely? The law cannot change a person from the inside out. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And so if you look at verse 14, in order that in Yeshua the Messiah, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Remember the promise and the blessing that through your seed, All the Gentiles or all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's literally all the families of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now going back to the beginning of this chapter, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by faith? That is the question. 
Are we the children of God through the work of the Holy Spirit or by the works of the law? Are we coming into a life in the Spirit by belief from the heart, by faith that's coming from within inside of us and transformed from the inside? Does it come by faith or does it come by the work of the law? Was a covenant relationship established with Abraham by the works of the law or by faith? We have always come to God by His grace through faith. The promise of the Holy Spirit is received by faith not by the works of the law. That's quite incredible. It's quite simple. It's part of the essence of what the gospel is, a transformation from the inside out by the work of God's Holy Spirit. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. We are transformed from the inside out by a work of God's Spirit. We are complete and perfected through Christ. I've heard some people reference these passages and say that this is only speaking against the oral law and not the, the, the Torah. Right. What do you say about that? Well, Paul is very familiar with the oral law. He was trained under the feet of Gamaliel. However, when you look in the context of this letter, it is all about the Mosaic law. We're talking about circumcision Chapter 2, we're talking about the dietary laws. Now, the oral law is an interpretation of those and trying to understand the Mosaic law in different circumstances and in different situations. Mm -hmm. However, everything within this context is about the law Mm -hmm. and the curse of the law. And if you do not keep the law, it's not talking about the rabbinical law, the oral law, but if you do not keep the law, then the curse of the law is upon you. Now, that is historically true within the life of Israel. So I don't see anything here that implies or even looks to the fact that this is only speaking to the oral law. And so some believers may say that this is speaking to the oral law, and then they may conclude we are still obligated to keep all the aspects of the Mosaic law, and they're missing the whole point. Did the Galatians receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ or not? It doesn't have say if you believe it's the oral law that it's talking about. Did they receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ? And the answer is yes, period. So whether you're talking about the Mosaic law or the oral law, it doesn't matter in this context. They received the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ, who was betrayed before them publicly as crucified. And so that's how they received the Holy Spirit. And they became the people of God, the children of Abraham, through faith, not by the works of the law. So no matter how you look at that, it still does not make a difference in what Paul is saying. Uh, Hopefully that is clear. Not of what I'm saying about what is Paul saying. Let's read verse 1 again. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out for you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? How did they receive the Spirit of God? But by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're perfected and completed. Hmm. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And when I read that, it hits me really hard. And I feel like this 
maybe goes beyond to just the dietary laws. Yes. In fact, this specifically, I believe, is referring to circumcision. Okay. Because they're saying you're not complete. And when we go to Acts chapter 15, they're saying you're not saved unless you're circumcised of the flesh. That's the whole issue that they're dealing with that is arising from Galatians. And so you're trying to be perfected or completed in the flesh by the circumcision of the flesh. The sign of the new covenant is the circumcision of the heart through the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, Paul is going to say, what is a true Jew? One that has the circumcision of the Messiah. It's about a transformation from the inside that brings about this new covenant relationship with God. Mm. So I believe here it's specifically dealing with the circumcision of the flesh. Now let's go to verses 15 through 18, if you could read, the intent of the law. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is, Christ. What I am saying is this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. What was that promise? Abraham, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I think in most of our Bibles, it's translated, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because family units became nations. This understanding is a promise through the seed of Abraham. Now, of course, that seed can be plural in the sense of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name changed to Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the seed of Abraham. But the fulfillment of this promise is through the seed of Abraham, through singular, not in a plural sense, through the Messiah. It is only through the Messiah that the promise that was made through Abraham was fulfilled. Now go back with me with the history of Israel. The history of Israel never kept the law. The history of Israel never brought the nations in order to fear the God of Israel. They never kept the law. In fact, they broke the law, intermarried with people that despised the law, and the idol worship saturated the land from the time they went in all the way until the time they were exiled from the land. So when you look at this, The promise is not fulfilled through the law. The promise is fulfilled through the seed of Abraham. And that's what God says in Genesis. Abraham, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the law that comes 430 years later, and I believe this is before they go into the land of Egypt, the last confirmation of this law to Israel, that that 430 years that comes after the promise, it does not nullified the promise that God made to Abraham before the law. In fact, if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based upon a promise. The promise came before the law, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. And when God makes a promise, that promise will always come true. He wouldn't be God if he did not keep his promises. 
And so when we look at this promise made to Abraham, it is being fulfilled through the seed of Abraham, singular, the Messiah, that now the Gentiles are coming to know the God of Abraham. Let's continue. Verses 19 through 22. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is a law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So think about this in these verses. The law was given because of the increase of sin. Think about Romans 7. The law makes sin very clear. The law is holy and the law is good and the law was given to the people of faith, the people of the promise. But the law could never impart life, eternal life. It was incomplete in itself. It always had a purpose to keep the nation of Israel under boundaries and under the protection of God until the revealing of the Messiah who would be the fulfillment of the law. The law was never an end or a goal in itself. The Messiah is the end or the goal of the Messiah. This is what Paul is going to say. So everything about the law is holding the people as a tutor, holding as a guardian, putting a protection around the people of faith until the day that the promised one, the seed of Abraham, would come and bring about eternal salvation. The law cannot do it in itself. Look at verse 22. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Think about Romans 2. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Both Jews and Greeks are both under sin. Isaiah says the same thing. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Isaiah says, your righteousness is as menstrual rags before God. This understanding is not a new covenant understanding. The new covenant is bringing out what was already taught concerning the law and concerning sin. The scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So this faith in the Messiah is what once and for all breaks the bondage of sin, once and for all brings the eternal forgiveness of God upon the Jewish people and now upon the Gentiles. Let's continue. Verse 23 through 29. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Amen. If we belong to the Messiah, 
We are the descendants of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. Everything that God promised Abraham, everything that God promised Israel is fulfilled in the Messiah. And we come into a kingdom based upon the faith in the Messiah where there is not male nor female. There is not slave nor free man. It's not about a Jew or a Greek, but we are one body. We are one family. We are one in Yeshua the Messiah. And it's one tree, one Messiah, one God, the promises of Abraham being fulfilled through the Messiah. The law was a tutor to bring us to the Messiah. Again, I want to say it again. It was not an end to itself. It was a tutor that brought us to the Messiah. It kept us in custody and handed us to the Messiah. And the Jews that did believe, they understood this was all the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in Yeshua, the Messiah, in Jesus the Christ. Our identity is in Him. What we pursue is Him. It's a life of faith. We put on Jesus Christ, clothe yourselves with the Messiah, Paul says. It's all about him. Think about what he's going to say to the Philippians. God has bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at that name every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Yeshua is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeshua, the Messiah, Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everything about us, Jew, Gentile, male, female, bond, free, whatever our situation, we're brought into the body of, of the Messiah and everything is about Him. Everything is walking a life of faith, the life of Christ. So I want to leave us with that. I want us to really have that as an impact upon our lives. We are not pursuing the law. We are not Torah-observant people. We are not ones looking to go out and follow the dietary laws or the circumcision of the flesh. Not anything wrong with these things. But our salvation and the promises that are fulfilled by God to Abraham are in the Messiah. So I fix my eyes upon him. I die to myself, and it is the Messiah that lives inside of me. I clothe myself with the Messiah. I deny myself, take up my own cross, and I follow him. I am his disciple. So what I'm saying, my focus and everything that I do is to follow Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I receive the Spirit of God through faith in him, not by the works of the law. The law is holy. The law is good. But you had better keep it in the right context. Jesus is the goal of the law. He is the end of the law, the goal of the law. The law brought us to him. It was only a tutor to bring us to Christ. And today, if you do not know the Messiah, I want to say there is not any eternal salvation outside of him. Our righteousness is is as minstrel rags, the prophet Isaiah says. Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only way to be justified eternally before God is through faith in Jesus the Messiah. Put your faith in Him. You will never be disappointed. 
If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.